Do you have that too? Don't don't you have that? Am I making this up that you've got your your second toe sticks out further than your uh, big? No, toe? I always called that a freak toe when I was little. Uh, supposedly, it means you're going to be uh, financially well off when you when you when you get older. I I actually looked it up uh, years ago, and I think that's like uh, genetically the more common one. So having it not be that way is is actually the freakish way, but it still looks weird to me. Like you don't ever draw a foot that way. No, you would never draw a foot that way. But I remember that like the tips of my second and third toes would be just blistered to hell. And so I would get up uh, earlier or I would skip breakfast and go to the trainer. And it's sort of like being a pro athlete. There's like a nice professional. <laughs> it was like a, it was a, at Kutztown University in Pennsylvania. Yep. And you go to the trainer and there was a real college athletic trainer. And he would, uh, I don't, he would like take razor blades to your blisters and uh, do, them, do them right. <laughs> or is that the treatment i mean uh i well i don't i wouldn't recommend doing it yourself it seems like it was you know it was like a fine line between cutting off too much of the skin and too little but uh oh it hurt like hell in the morning and it would just feel like i can't it, it, oh, it was terrible it's like you couldn't even walk but then after a while it just sort of you know just you just get numb to the pain and then you you know you just play all right Never much for summer camp. We used to have a playground, like a local playground would run, um, pay high school kids to uh, supervise from like 9 to noon in the morning. And, and it'd be like supervised kickball games and box hockey and who's, arts and crafts. Who's and paying stuff. the insurance on that? I don't, I think it was, it was like, a, you know, this would be like the very late 70s and early 80s. I think it was a holdout from a smaller simpler america i was just where, gonna say it's a simpler time right where where the municipal the cities the little town where i grew up the municipal government paid for it somehow it was in the school like you'd, they'd open up a little hallway in the school which is next to the playground so the and there was a ping pong table in there you could play ping pong when it rained um and that's where the bathroom must have been because you need at least one right and there was a bathroom uh and it, you know, a locker, a little locker where they'd keep the kickballs and the bases and stuff like that. Right, right. And then they'd open it up at night too. It was like six to eight at night or something like that. It's like they'd be closed from like noon to six, and everybody would go to the community pool or whatever. But from, from like nine to noon and six to eight, they'd be open up. Got to keep you off the street somehow, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I grew up in like a, in a housing development, so we had. I don't know, a couple dozen kids all around the same age. So that that was, we sort of had our own makeshift camp, I think. Yeah, I didn't know anybody who went to camp camp, though. Like I said, if your parents love you, they, they keep you around, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think Jonas has mixed feelings about it. Seems like a nice camp. And, uh, you know, they've got, he loves to swim. They've got a pool. Uh, they play games and stuff. But I, I feel like, the, you know, his view is that the inside of our house is sort of like a camp. <laughs> <laughs> it's got way better video games. Yeah, we've got video games and air conditioning. and uh, You don't have to take a bus was, to get there. Right, a refrigerator full of cold beverages, and that's about it. All right, well, we got to get the show on the road because there's some exciting soccer matches coming up that I really, really want to see. So Is this true? No, of course it's not. Soccer's the You're worst. Not you're not following the World I Cup? I am I've following gotten it, into and it. I am hating every minute of it because I'm a masochist. I'm following it. <laughs> Did you ever play soccer? No. I like, you know, gym soccer, and I was half decent, yeah. but no, I never even, I never went out for any of the teams or anything. No, I didn't either. I, I, it, it just seemed interminable to me. Well, and I think playing it is way better than watching it. 
Yeah, I don't even know about that. I don't know. It just felt so clumsy to me. Like it just seemed to me like it seems to me like basketball and soccer are pure sports. You know, you, two teams they're going for goals. There's there's severe limits on how you can touch and advance the ball. And it seems like to me it always seemed to me like basketball was the one where what what is it that separates us from the other animals? It's our hands, right? right. right? And we're purposely not using them in this one sport. Right. Uh, well, I mean, the obvious corollary is really hockey, though. Uh, but hockey manages to be way more exciting than soccer to me. Yeah. Uh, and again, you get to use your hands. A little or, bit. Or at least a stick that's, you know, right, in right. your hands. You know. uh, I think I think Greece is playing today, but uh, I, oh, God, I, I hate every minute of this. I'm glad it's only once every four years. Do you root for the Greeks just out of uh, the heritage, family heritage? Yeah, you know, for my dad, maybe. I, I honestly, I, I never cared. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I was born in America. I'm an American. But uh, I'm only, uh, well, I guess I'm 50% Greek, so that's pretty Greek. But uh, I, I don't really Trust me, you're pretty, you're pretty Greek. <laughs> You've seen my forearms. <laughs> you were going there. I went there first. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, what's his name? Montero's rooting for the Portuguese. Yeah, and he That's, is just, I don't know if he's even serious or if he's just trying to... to it really to, seemed like trolling, and I hope it was, because it, it was either trolling or he is like the worst sports fan I've ever seen, worse than you even. <laughs> right, because right, how could you not be rooting for the Americans? Well, I mean, like, if he wants to root for the Portuguese, that's all right, but, like, if you followed his Twitter stream during the Portugal-U.S. match, it was just... I mean, it was just... You'd want to throw something through the wall. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of got the feeling that he was he was just trolling uh, when he started complaining about the refs. Right. Who I don't think were in the U.S.'s favor at all. I don't think I think it was a well refereed match. Well, and he, and like on uh, on Dempsey's goal, he was he kept calling for an offsides, and then meanwhile the announcers are not like it wasn't even close. Right. Well, it wasn't even close. like it wasn't as if there was any question of an offsides. So right. The only questionable thing in the officiating there was the extra, the one extra minute yep. of uh, extra. It time went from four gave. to five minutes, right? Right, and that's when they and, scored in that. And that's when they scored was in the fifth minute. Yeah. And supposedly they're saying that the uh, what I read after the match was that the whoever whoever the mysterious referee is who gets to decide how many minutes of extra time there is added another fifth minute. So to he, the he four, added four, and seven. then he added one on. On the last U.S. substitution, where the I U.S. See. the guy being substituted was like crawling off the field, <laughs> which is possibly justified. Although, uh, from what the announcer said, is is a time honored tradition. Oh well, it, it's horrible. I mean, this is this is what happened against Ghana the past two World Cups for the U.S. Uh, that you know they got a lead and then they were just everybody was suddenly struck down by injury. Uh, <laughs> Balls are being kicked out of the stadium. <laughs> we don't have any more balls. Somebody get a pump. <laughs> well, I mean, what I don't... I, I have so many complaints about soccer, but the one that really gets me is that we can use the stop button on a stopwatch. It is literally called a stopwatch because you can start the time and then you can stop it instead of just letting it run for 45 minutes and then saying, yeah, there was about two minutes of extra time we need to add. Yeah, it seems it seems uh, like some kind of bizarre, antiquated, you know, thing holdover from a hundred years ago. Right, but then meanwhile they've got like uh, like uh, like the television crew at least has like the offsides camera that is like showing exactly where the player was uh, with like computer renderings and stuff. So I mean, it's not as if the game has is the same that it is played in you know 
a desert or a back alley or something. Yeah. Like the game, the the World Cup games are are professional level. We can use a stopwatch properly. Yeah, I don't I don't get that. I don't get why they don't run a, a simple just stop. If the ref decides, hey, this is a real injury, I'm blowing my whistle. Then there's a timekeeper who hits a red button. Exactly. And then when he blows his whistle again, they hit the red button again. And then it's ninety minutes, and it's ninety minutes. Right. And at nine zero zero zero, a buzzer goes off, and the game is over. Right. Uh because there's also the weird thing at the end, you know, and and you know, it was almost almost got to that point in the U.S. Portugal match where uh, there is no automatic buzzer that goes off. There's right, there's it's a ref up to the who ref decides to, to blow, blow the whistle, whistle yeah. and if the team is down by one goal and streaming down the sideline, they don't and blow has it. Play right. That does, that bothers me as an American. Just just logically, like as a nerd, it's annoying. Like this this, yeah. this nebulous nature of of the clock and. Yeah. Whereas I love, I do love, and and our mutual friend, and and he's been slowly getting me more into the game over the years. Uh, Guy English is big, you know, grew up in uh, I don't know some kind of soccer playing country. <laughs> uh, has been preaching to me that it's a beautiful, you know, that it's the beautiful game, and that there's aspects, and there's parts of it that I am getting more into. But I do love, I love the fact that it's uh, a running clock. That it's, you know, they start a half, and for the next 45 minutes, you're just watching these guys play. Well, I mean, that's that's the great aspect of it, that there's no commercials, like, cutting right. into into the game. Just a halftime full of commercials. Right. And then they've, you know, and it's funny. It's like the nature of the, it's just like the web and anything else, if you want to sell ads. The nature of the opportunity, the, the advertisers will find a way. Oh, I mean. And so they have those sponsorships along the sidelines. Which are, like, the, way worse than the boards in hockey or way more noticeable. And Yeah, but it's way better than commercial oh, breaks. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, but I think, I don't know how much, I think that's part of the issue with soccer in America is that I think there's not nearly as much money in it, even with all those ads, uh, yeah. because it just doesn't ever total up to as much as you would make from selling a few commercial ads, like video yeah, ads. Yeah, but somehow the Premier League in Europe makes tons of money and that they can afford to pay guys, you know, it's it's commensurate with U.S., you know, professional sports in terms of the top player salaries Is it? and the value of the franchise. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, they all come, like Beckham came here to make his money. I'm sure he made, yeah, I'm but sure he, he made some in might, England, but... Yeah, but he's sort of like, you know, he's like an A-Rod type where it's... It, it, and I, I don't mean that to be disparaging to him, but but where his celebrity far extended beyond sports. Yeah, okay. You know, that he had opportunities that were beyond just his soccer playing ability. Uh, well, I don't know. We I didn't do any research. Yeah, we should, we should really talk more about soccer on your tech <laughs> podcast with both of us that don't really like soccer. The fans yeah. are going to love but, that. Well, but the thing that to me is interesting, though, in terms of like the advertising finding a way is that in the Premier League, the teams are sponsored. Right, and their and jerseys are like... They have ads on their jerseys, don't they? Right. I forget which team is which, but I know that I, I watched a match. I don't know how I got tricked into watching a Premier League <laughs> match a couple months ago. And the one had uh, the Emirates airline. Yeah, right. You know, and airlines are big because they're international and that they, you know, the international appeal of it is, you know, makes it a perfect opportunity. Right, right. And they just have a instead of having the team name on the jersey, it's a big airline logo on the jersey. Yeah. Which, would, you know, to an American is crazy. Like, can you, I mean. If, if the Red Sox it, or the Yankees had a, had a big logo, uh, somebody, some other company's logo would be disgusting. <laughs> the Yankees, the Yankees don't even put their player names on the jersey. <laughs> That's right. Derek Jeter's jersey just says two. Even, even the away jersey, right. Right. It just says two. It's his number. That's all it says. I can't even imagine if it had like a big Pepsi logo. 
But that's the opportunity, and the nature of the game is such as that there aren't any breaks. Right, right. And so I do like that. I like that you can kind of just say, okay, I want to watch the U.S. play somebody, and you've, you know, you only have to give up like, you know, two, it's, two hours. It's exactly two hours. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, uh, and it just flows. I like that. Anyway, let's make a prediction. You think the U.S. is going to make it into the elimination? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. The only reason I'm watching it all is because I have a uh, a pool going with some friends, uh, whose prize is a Landon Donovan World Cup jersey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that for the loser or the That's winner? For the winner, uh, they must have printed these jerseys up before uh, he was not oh. selected for the team. So we found this on eBay, and that's that's going to be the prize for the winner. But. Uh, uh, so I have them losing. Uh, I have I had Germany and Portugal advancing. So uh, I don't know. I mean, they played well against Portugal. They could have won that game. So should have won that game. I've, I've got Brazil winning the whole thing, though. I go hometown. I go, you know, one of the best soccer teams. So yeah, and eventually the refs are going to fix it for them. There'll be some <laughs> kind of match, and that you know, there'll be a terrible handball. Well, or something have you like noticed that. the? Uh, I don't know how much of the commercials you've seen because there are some during the half. But there's a FIFA ad that is a, a soccer ball like rolling on a field and the field tilts have you seen this no, it, the, the short so. the just the gist of it is is that it's uh fifa it's a fifa ad and it says together we fight match manipulation <laughs> and it's absurd that you need an ad to tell the fans like we're fighting against corruption in soccer right well did you see that new york times story a couple weeks ago about, about uh, the uh, previous uh, south africa right yeah, and the, the, the you know the one the one FIFA ref you know just took like a cash deposit of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> rolled into to the, the bank. bank with it, and then like six hours later was refing a match. <laughs> right, making suspicious calls. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no attempt to hide it. Even I mean, the whole it, yeah, the it, whole thing is crooked. Yeah, and well, and that it's it, it stems from the fact that they pick the referees via international diplomacy, where it's hey, we need a guy from this part of the world, this guy part of the world, this part of the world, as opposed to ranking them like by these are their, the best refs, right? Yeah. Which is how U.S. sports typically are done. Like in the NFL, for the playoff games, there, there's like a systematic analysis of which referees were the most the accurate in a regular season, and those refs get to ref playoff games. And it's, I think it's the same in baseball. I think that there's like it's definitely a, the veteran teams, at least. I don't know if it's, but if you're a veteran right, team, it's because you've you've done well over the years. Right. And one thing you could definitely say for Major League Baseball is for all the problems that, that they've had over the decades, one thing is that there's never really been any kind of even hint or, or whiff of implication of the anything other. Yeah. There's umpires you can complain about, but it's never in terms of bias or uh, fixing matches or anything. No, like you just that. think they're inconsistent with their strike zone or right. uh, just a lousy umpire, but never a crooked right. umpire. They, ha- they truly have an impeccable. You know, hundred you know, century long reputation for uh, uh, uncorruptibility. Being, yeah, yeah, being impartial. Yeah, and you take that for granted when you hear what the people <laughs> right, right. has to put an ad on that says we're, we're trying to keep this fair. <laughs> oh man, soccer. Ugh. Let's move on. I'm, I'm, I, ugh. I, I said ahead of time that I wasn't going to get into it, and I'm not into it, but I'm still yeah. watching it, and I, ugh, I don't want to talk about it. All right. Well, all right. One last thing that oh. was that. Thank, thank God they got rid of those goddamn noisemakers. Oh, the Vuvuzelas. Yeah. No, I'll tell remember, you what, I, were, uh, I don't want to. You, you can cut this, but uh, 
those were great for our company because uh, there was a plugin <laughs> called Vuvu X, and it was an audio oh. plugin that let you cut out the sound of Vuvu Zelas. What? And Audio Hijack Pro worked with this plugin, so people were were using Audio Hijack Pro and this plugin to uh, to remove the 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 buzzing noise from the background. No, I, there's no reason to cut it. I don't mind. Uh, well, when you were watching the plugs. matches, it was if you could get rid That's of it. That's fantastic. Was, no. A Vuvuzela, D, a D Vuvuzela plugin. Yeah, Vuvu X. That's so fantastic. Good. You know, it was so annoying that it doesn't surprise me in the least that somebody took the time to, to write get rid of it. Plugin. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that was, was like an African thing, so I guess you know they don't have that in Brazil. I don't know what they have there, but nothing quite. Yeah, so well, noisy. they've apparently banned it though. Oh, like, did they really? Yeah, that you, you you know that they're telling you as you come into the stadium that if you're caught with one, you're going to get kicked out. Well, I like what you've done with the place. The uh, the studio here, it's slimmed down. It's sparse. I, you've changed it up a little bit. The set looks different. <laughs> I was looking at the uh, the talk show page now versus, uh, I think I was on sometime last year. And you got rid of the wood paneling. Yeah, you got rid of the uh, uh, skeuomorphism, if you will. You, you toned it down to a flat gray. Thank you, Paul. It's very nice. Did you see this where uh, FAA... I just sent you this link. There's late breaking news before we started recording that the FAA is uh, put the nicks on Amazon's drone delivery plans. Well, which didn't, I mean, the drones didn't exist anyway, or, you know, it's it's not as if this was like they're in the air right now and they're calling them back because of this ban. Right. Uh, I, you know, I read that article. It, it, uh, it indicated that this was something that the FAA had already attempted to ban, right? I guess so. I, I it, it occurred to me when Amazon announced this was it months ago? Was it last year? I don't know when it was. Early this year, Amazon, early last year. Yeah, it it occurred to me that it just seems like, well, this it's a cool idea, and I could see how in the future this you know this this could be a thing. But it's got to be there's there's got to be some regulatory structure here. We you can't just have anybody who wants to willy nilly flying things <laughs> right through the air. Right. Uh, Especially propeller-driven things. <laughs> little, yeah, right, right. Uh, well, I mean, even when they announced it, they said this was... I mean, they announced it, and it made a big... You know, it got a big PR uh, cry, and, and that was what they wanted. But it wasn't as if they announced it, like, coming in six months. They said, this is coming in several years uh, once we deal with the FAA. And uh, <clears throat> so this, this story now doesn't really... I don't think it really changes anything for Amazon. It just sort of clarifies that no, you cannot just start doing right, that. right, right. It's not it's not happening next week. Uh, you're not you're not getting dr- drone deliveries within the next few months at least. It just fits to me though with like, um, and to a lesser degree, it's Amazon, but you know, it's Google's mo to me is to just announce crazy shit that's not even close to being real and get people all excited about it. And to me, it just distracts from the best of what's really real right? and being announced today. Well, for Amazon, I think it's probably actually pretty effective because it says, oh, they're really focused on delivery, and even if they can't do this yet, I should still buy stuff from them. Because it was only, it was an ancillary thing. It wasn't as if, 
I mean, probably some people would have ordered stuff just to get a drone to deliver it to them. I probably would have. But Yeah, I, I would do that. But, I mean, it wasn't as if they said, you know, this is the service. They said, you know, we're working to make shipping on what you buy as fast as possible. So it's not as if they were actually selling the drone delivery. Whereas I think you're right. In terms of Google, there's a lot of stuff that they pre-announce or announce when it's, you know, sort of half-baked. And it's something that you might actually want to buy directly. But either it's not available, like uh, Google Glass has been. Uh, this year they've had a couple, like anyone can buy it days, right? Yeah. But for the most part, it's, it's still 1500 It's 1500 bucks. bucks, which is much more than they planned to charge for it. And for the most part, it's just been available to select developers. So it's something that's in the public consciousness, but not actually available to the public. So, you know, and we're recording this a day, I think one day before yeah, that's the true. Google I.O keynote it could be you know by the day or two from now there's a big new google glass announcement where either a they've radically dropped the price or b they've got a new generation of hardware that's that's less obtrusive and and significantly improved who knows but i don't i don't really expect well but even even if they even if that's true and and it may well be but uh you know it's been what uh a year at least a year plus since it first has landed in people's hands yeah two years right Uh, and you know, it just, it doesn't really exist as a product. It's not a product you can go into the store and buy. And that's strange to me. And I think your comparison is generally going to be to Apple where you don't hear anything about it until it's either in the stores or it's going to be in the stores very soon. And, and in a form that is exactly as promised. Right. Like, you know, they did pre-announce the iPhone. I was just going to say the iPhone's sort of the exception, but even that nothing that they pre-announced. I mean, was there anything that was missing in the final product? No, in fact, it was better because they switched from plastic That's to right. Gorilla Glass uh, like a month beforehand, which to me is one of those like secret like little overlooked historical things where it's like, can you even imagine being Tim Cook? And it's like you're trying to get this super high profile thing shipped and from China and like Steve Jobs comes in and is like, hey. This plastic's no like, good. <laughs> I've got these guys from Corning on the phone <laughs> and I think we can switch to glass. And it's like May. It's like, <laughs> right. It's like six weeks before you're supposed to ship the thing. And somehow he made it happen. Was it like, that? I mean, do you? I don't do know. It was pretty late. I mean, even if it was six uh, months, even if it was six months, it's ridiculous. Well, it was definitely after January. Right. You know, I, th- I think that one of the books might have had that. Maybe like the Jobs biography uh-huh. had the story. Maybe it was like April or something like that. But like you said, it doesn't at any point between January and June. Right. It should be finalized. And Right. And it's, it was like the most important part of the phone. It was the thing that was most different and original and new. And they switched from plastic, hard plastic to Gorilla Glass. Right. Uh, and uh, the apps got better in some ways. Right. Okay. I forget there were a couple of days. It was better than promised, though. And then two months after that, when they dropped the price, it even came down in price. Right. Right. So, yeah, by, by in, in that first generation, it wound up being better than they had originally promised, which is something right. they never do anyway, as far right. as originally announcing something before it's available right like whereas the opposite would have been if they'd promised it was going to be gorilla glass and promised it was going to be 399 and then they shipped it and it was scratchable plastic and 699 right right uh and well and i'm also reminded of this that showing these these concepts and sort of conflating between the concepts and reality with this thing i saw over the weekend and linked up about uh, oh the armband Google gesture, right? Yeah. It was this video and and Mashable linked it up as though it was real, and then a couple of Android sites picked it up after Mashable. And what it really was was just a, a student exercise from 
I forget some advertising school in Stockholm, in Europe or Berg, something, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, it's, I think it was Stockholm Berg School of Communication, and it was a bunch of students who made a video of a fake Google product called Google Gesture, where you'd put this armband on, and it would translate sign language to verbal speech in, in real time, right? Which is a little fantastic, given that uh, it doesn't, you know. Google has great text-to-speech, you know, and speech-to-text, speech to but it still isn't quite as real-time as what they were showing for this this armband for uh, sign language. Uh, all it was, though, it was it had nothing to do with Google. They're, they're not engineering students. They're not working with – it's not like a computer science project. They're advertising students. Right. It was just, an, just, uh, making, uh, uh, it was just an exercise to say, right. like, make a fantastic product and then make an ad for it. Right, but Mashable went with it as though it was real, and so did other sites. And I feel like, you know, shame on them for not right. looking at it a little harder. The signs were all there that this was not real, but it still, to me, is a little telling though that that they got fooled because it's it's, you know, Google tends to announce stuff that's not real yet. Right, right. What was the last? The last sentence was no no shipping date for the app has been announced yet. In the in the Mashable, yeah, in the Mashable piece, right, right. <laughs> Well, I don't know. That uh I mean that happens with it doesn't happen in the same way with Apple, but uh there's all sorts of writing about Apple about the iWatch that's coming and it's written as if this is a certainty and as if Apple has already announced it. And it drives right. me crazy. Uh Yeah, absolutely. Because Well, and the thing I t I brought it up with Mark Gurman a couple of weeks ago when he was on the show. The thing that gets me is the way those articles are always accompanied by visual mock-ups oh, from some random, you know, designer on Flickr or Dribble or wherever. Right. And and there's a tiny little credit to like a name, <laughs> right. but it doesn't really say it never says this is just a crazy mock-up that is unrelated to the rumor that I uh, were publishing. That just goes just well with the story, but don't take it as as fact or even as as right. anything, yeah. In fact, there was one a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't really matter which site it was, but it was one of these sites like 9 to 5 Mac. And it wasn't a Mark German story, it was somebody else, but it might have been 9 to 5 Mac, might have been somebody else, but it was um a story about, or maybe it was a German. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it was about this thing where that iOS eight is rumored to be like in the fall when new iPads come out that there's going to be um, split screen mode between multiple apps, two apps. Was this before the developers conference or after? After. Okay, so and before this somebody, had been a rumor, but then they didn't. Right. They didn't mention it at the conference, so we're assuming it's not happening. Right, and and somebody had um, poking around the iOS eight beta, had found some stuff that's in there that suggests, yeah, there is, there's these, you know, we can actually come back to this later in the show, but these, you know, different screen modes, like uh, two thirds, one third, right. one half, one half, um, and so this article was describing what's actually in the iOS beta hidden. Which isn't much. We still don't really know, like the actual interactive, like what is the act, how are you going to invoke it and drag it along and stuff like that. And in the meantime, they had an illustration showing something completely different <laughs> from like somebody from months ago just speculating when the rumor on, first came out. Or right, yeah. it it didn't even match what was being described. Right, but yet was done in a very highly detailed visual style that conveys a sense of authority and and of of reality, as if this is real and. 
Right. Yeah. Like it would be different. It would be stupid. They wouldn't do it. But like if somebody who's, you know, not really an artist like me took like a field notes notebook and, and a pen this. and just did like a simple sketch, unartistic, just a pen on paper and said it's sort of like this. Right. And a couple of rectangles and an arrow. That would be one thing. But it's these completely fleshed fully, out ideas. Yeah, like 100% articulated in Photoshop idea, you know, and it drives me nuts, you know, every and you could just you can find hundreds of these stories about like the iWatch that, right. that are accompanied by these illustrations. Makes me crazy. Let me tell you about uh, take a break, talk, talk about our first sponsor. Happy to say I always love to say this, I think pretty sure a uh, new sponsor never before sponsored the talk show. Uh, it's a company called Squarespace. <laughs> Squarespace. Are, 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 Squarespace. I've not heard of them. Go ahead. All right. This is a fantastic company. You're going to love this. you got to hear this. Here's the thing. Squarespace is an all-in-one website building and hosting service. So you need a website. Easy. Go to squarespace.com. You sign up, and they have an all-in-one platform. Makes it fast and easy to create a very, very professional website. Uh, and it could be any sort of website. They have all sorts of templates for pre-existing ideas, like a portfolio site if you're an artist who wants to show off your work, uh, an online store if you have stuff to sell, and they take care of all the really hard stuff of online co commerce for you, all just baked into your account. Uh, it's simple and easy, beautiful design, drag and drop content to rearrange it just the way you want. Uh, if you want you can drop down and adjust it at the code level if you want to inject your own JavaScript or adjust the CSS or something like that. But if you don't know JavaScript or you don't know CSS, you can do the whole thing through drag and drop in a very visual, intuitive way, uh, and it all just works. Now, plans start at just 8 bucks a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. They have 24-7 tech support and live chat, uh, live chat and email tech support located in New York City, Dublin, and now Portland. I'm assuming it's uh, Portland, Oregon. Could be Portland, Maine. That's a fine, fine city, but I'm going to guess it's... Probably uh, want the different time zone, though. So Yeah, probably want the different time zone. Uh, responsive design, everything they do looks great, from phones to tablets to big 30-inch uh, cinema displays. Uh, you can start a trial with no credit card required. You don't have to give them a credit card first and then cancel it if you decide to, to do it. You can start with no credit card and start building your website today. So here's what you do. Go to squarespace.com slash Gruber, uh, and you can use the offer code JG, just my initials, John Gruber, JG, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase. So sign up for a year, you'll get the free domain name, and the 10% will be a, a big discount. Uh, and that way they'll know you're coming from the talk show. Now, Squarespace. What's interesting is actually if you use uh, offer code PK, my initials, you get 11% off. So it's <laughs> up to you which one you want to use. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, this sounds like a great idea for a service. I, I'll bet uh, I'll bet we'll hear from them again. Happy to have them as a sponsor. Uh, what else? Where were we? We were talking about uh, Amazon. Yeah. So there were the, last week they announced the Amazon uh, Fire Phone. Right. Did you see that? Uh, I didn't see the event. I saw I saw one of the summaries of it. Uh, I don't, did you actually watch the event? No, I didn't. I watched a little bit. And it, they do seem to do a nice job. But uh, 
I, I, I forget. I was busy at the time, and then I just read all the highlights, and I, it just didn't seem like there was two hours of stuff. Well, right, because it, it, it was just the phone, right? Did they cover anything else? Pretty much. I think they had some, some boilerplate up front just talking about, you know, how many um, – how successful Prime is, and you know, right, and their graphs with no uh, labeled axes, and <laughs> right. so it's twice well, as the, good as it was last year. But who knows what it was last year? Right. Well, I w- I'm only half joking. I did. I took a screenshot of one of the graphs. It showed like total number of Prime members over the years, and it's a steeply sloping upwards uh, upwards chart. But there's no label on the y-axis. Why? Right. No label. And I only half joking, I asked if Amazon had ever published a graph right. with a labeled y-axis. All they had, that the x-axis is labeled in years, and the y-axis is completely unlabeled. I don't think that they have. And I know that they've they've never once announced sales figures for any hardware device that they make. Right. For the Kindles and, and the... the uh... Uh, tablets yeah the tablets and and the the tv one they've got now i they're all they're all fire something now aren't they right yeah i think so fire tv well, i don't kindle means reader and fire means <laughs> like everything else like fancier but except the kindle yeah. fire is a reader as well i mean the phone no no the kindle fire tablet like it, don't they call it the yeah, but that it combines Kindle and Fire. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's Kindle Fire. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Right. Right. It's so, Amazon Kindle Fire is a tablet that's a reader and a Fire. I guess Fire means Android. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that. I think that Fire means their their offshoot of Android. Yeah, it's it's so it's, it's the both an e-reader iOS, and a thing. Then the Fire Phone is just their Android offshoot for the phone, and then Fire TV is their Android offshoot for uh, watching video and. Uh, playing games or whatever on your tv right i guess i don't know if they have games i don't think they do no they do they do because that one was that was one of the first ones that shipped with its you could you could buy it with a separate controller and that was that was where people said like the apple tv should sell with a you know you could buy a 20 dollar controller and then play games on it uh and the the amazon fire tv had i think the default model didn't have a controller but you could buy a, a, an additional controller with it I don't know if that ever took off. I, it's only been a few months. Yeah, but, I don't I never hear anybody write about yeah. it. Yeah, so maybe maybe it's not that popular. Maybe it is, and, and they're just not writing about it. But you know, that's one of those things too that it it's you know I, I know people who follow Apple tend to be accused of I don't know favoritism or 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 or, or like in the sport to go back to the sports analogy that we're always complaining about the refs. Right. 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 Uh, we always perceive that the refs are out to get us. Uh, but I can't help but think that if Apple had announced at the same time an Apple TV update with a game controller and it had taken off to the extent that Amazon's has taken off, which is to say apparently not much at all, that they'd be getting excoriated. There'd be stories in the about how press, it had flopped. And that Tim Cook would need to be fired and and et cetera, et cetera, go for it. So it's better so off not to try anything. Well, I don't know. Somehow, Apple and Apple alone seems to not be given permission by the business press and some of the tech press to just try things. Right. Right. And and there's snide remarks about Apple TV as a quote-unquote hobby, whereas it's clearly more, you know, and I think by that it just means it's not as big a deal financially as the other things that Apple does, like the phone and the Well, I mean, that, iPad that originated, I think it was Tim Cook who said that, wasn't it? Or was it? Was yeah, Jobs, but yeah, I mean, it came from Apple, or maybe it started. Well, it was one of the it two. came while Jobs was still alive. Okay, I don't know if it was his words or Tim Cook's words while 
but Steve was still the CEO. Right. And, and yeah, and, and they said, you know, this is sort of a hobby for us. And then, yeah, then, then it becomes the, the way that the press writes about it. Right. I, well, I actually remember when they did the first Apple TV. The silver one and it was, with the actual hard drive in it. Yeah, and they even uh, – it was sort of semi-pre-announced because they were going to call it ITV. Yeah, it was the same and time as the iPhone. It was 2007, yeah, same, same he, keynote. Was it really yep. at the end of the of the the iPhone announcement? Yep, it was the same keynote. I'm like huh. 99% certain on that. He was like, I don't even know what we're going to call it. We'll just call it ITV for well, now. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. They they had, no, they had decided it was the Apple TV, but he kept calling it the ITV because he said, "Oh, that's why you shouldn't go with a code name that like." Oh. I rem- I do remember that it was it was that internally they had called it the ITV, and yeah. uh, and then well, he no. kept slipping when he was referring to it. Well, and the reason that they I I've heard that the reason they couldn't use that was because there's a big uh, TV network in the BBC the UK yeah. called ITV. Um, and it just wasn't worth it. Like I guess they could maybe use that name elsewhere around the world, but that the UK is a big enough too market. Big. Yeah, yeah, big enough market not to do it. Right. But anyway, I, it was introduced as a hobby. It was like we don't really know what we're doing with this, but we can. It's 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 interesting enough to ship, and you can watch movies and TV shows on it and stuff. Right. But I can't help but think that if they had done a game controller already and had games for Apple TV, and it was you know had gone nowhere yet, you'd be hearing. Which that. isn't you know right. You'd hear about it. Well, let's. You, like you wanted to stamp. talk. You wanted to talk Tim Cook, right? Sure. So let's let's segue right to to these. It was. I guess it was just one piece about Tim Cook, and then a response piece, right? Right. So there. Last Sunday, this was. Well, it's. I guess nine days ago now. But last Sunday, there was on the front page, not the front page of the New York Times, but front page of the Sunday business section of the New York Times was a a profile of Tim Cook, which um, interestingly he did not sit down for. Right. In, in, at one point in the profile, they must, they'd spoke to Apple to verify some things, but they said, you know, Tim Cook, Tim Cook, who declined to be interviewed for this, uh, for this piece. Yeah, but they open it with like an anecdote, a personal anecdote from his childhood, right. which makes it seem as though he had talked to them for the article. But in fact, they took the anecdote from a speech or something that he gave, right? That he gave at Auburn University right. uh, within the last few years. But then they just sort of, to me, it's a little disingenuous. I mean, the they, way that it's written. Yeah, the, the way that it opens. Anyway, it, it it relatively quickly admits, you know, we did not interview right. him directly for this. So it's not as if right. they're certainly not framing the whole thing as as if he had spoken to them. But right. you're right that the the intro does make it seem a little bit like he was speaking directly to them. Yeah, the headline is Tim Cook making Apple his own. I'll be sure to put it. I don't. Uh, I don't always keep up with the the show notes, but I'll I'll make sure I link this in the show notes. It's by Matt Richtel and Brian X Chen. Brian X Chen of of uh, Japanese hate the iPhone <laughs> back back when he wrote for Wired. Right. Um, but the other thing though that's interesting. So Tim Cook did not speak to them for this profile, but they got a huge interview. They did speak to. Johnny Ive for the same was it in the same profile they had spoken to him? yes okay I guess I didn't I read it late last night so I guess I didn't uh didn't see that that was the the case yeah so they did get Johnny Ive which if anything is it's a bigger get a, you think well I think Tim Cook winds up speaking certainly doesn't speak a lot to the press but he speaks more often than Johnny Ive does well so but so it was Johnny Ive speaking almost exclusively about Tim Cook so right. it wasn't him talking about his own uh, work or his own, you know, experiences at Apple. It was him sort of 
buttressing their claims about Tim Cook or or responding to some of their claims about Tim Cook. Right. Uh, you know, Johnny, here's a quote from the article. Johnny Ive, the head of design at Apple and a name nearly as adored by its followers as at Steve Jobs, says Mr. Cook has not neglected the company's central mission, innovation. Here's the quote. Honestly, I don't think anything's changed. People felt exactly the same way when we were working on the iPhone. It's hard for all of us to be patient. It was hard for Steve. It is hard for Tim. So that's a pretty strong statement. That's Johnny Ive putting his personal stamp of approval on the, on the, the, the Tim Cook era. Yeah, and saying, honestly, I don't think anything's changed. Right. At least with regard to Apple and its and you know the, the I-word innovation. Right. Well, it's interesting that, so yeah, he was, if, if he was interviewed for part of this, it was really to sort of vouch for Tim Cook. Right, exactly. And so Apple Which must is have if, presumably put him forward to do that almost. Yeah, because if anything, there's more credibility there than Tim Cook vouching for himself. Right, absolutely, yeah. Right? Take take the sort of, and I know it's a loaded word, objectivity, but take the objective um, stance of, okay, forget whether it's Apple and Tim Cook in particular, but a company's CEO, and is he, it replaces a very successful predecessor who founded the company. Um, the CEO claims that he himself is doing a good job <laughs> right, replacing right. that it's almost meaningless, right? It's it's not, you know, we laugh, but it's like, well, you know, of course you're going to say right. that. You'd hope. Right. It means a lot more when somebody who has his own... Um, well, who was there before and who's there now, definitely. Right. And is, has and has earned an enormous amount of credibility. Right. And has credibility to lose, an enormous amount of credibility to lose, vouches for, for him. So it's you know you could see why Apple PR wise would would strategize such and say you know and, and assuming that you know everybody went along with it that they would have Johnny speak instead of Tim right even instead of both the thing that I thought was interesting was there was a mention of so right now there's this idea sort of in the ether that Apple hasn't had any innovative product since Steve Jobs died right and Correct. the last one was the iPad which was 2010 he died in 2011 is that right. 2011, I think. Uh, and, you know, they just have, they've been sitting on their hands since then. Uh, and, you know, the, the fairly obvious response is that innovative products don't come every six months or every year. It's, you know, the Mac, the iPod in 2001, the iPhone in 2007, and then the iPad in 2010. Uh, so even if you think it accelerated, I think that's fairly coincidental. And really, we're talking about a handful of truly game-changing products. Uh, that you should expect there to be multiple years, maybe even you know decades between them. Uh, but the iPad Mini is sort of the counter to that. That maybe that's one where it's at least semi-innovative in terms of ramping up sales, at least. Uh, and what was interesting in that piece was that it said that uh, this was a product that Steve Jobs didn't think would find a market, and since then it outsells the full-size iPad. I, I don't think it gave a number, but it vastly outsells it right i don't know about vastly but it did say that it outsold it and i thought that was interesting because it wasn't it's apple doesn't break that down although you can kind of extrapolate some of it from average they do say how many total ipads they sell per quarter and they do give an average selling price and given that the ipad mini has always been significantly Cheaper, lower price right. that you, you know you could see from the the downward shift in average selling price that it's clearly it be been popular right 
a successful product. But it was you're right though that they do give Tim Cook not just credit, credit but like credit right. as far as Steve Jobs didn't want to make this product, and therefore right. you know they didn't under him. And Tim Cook took over, and then he said, you know what, we are going to make this, and you know that's that's really uh, it's never been been promoted that way but that's to me almost really the first major tim cook product that that, and apparently really just literally would not have happened under steve jobs right and it's also a very interesting product to me um operations wise because i still think it's an enormous you know apple is a company of patterns and you can kind of pick up on the, the the annual patterns of their development and make you know Without any kind of sources at all at Apple, it's a pretty good guess that there's going to be at least one new iPhone later this year, and it's going to have an, uh, a new system on a chip called the A8. Right. Right? I mean, Well, at the very least, there's going to be a new iPhone. As far as the chip, like, what do you think? Like, 90% chance on that. I would say at least 90% chance that there's going to be an A8, because there's been an A4, A5, A6, A7 for the last four years. And has it been every single top- year that they've had a new one? Ever since they introduced the one the with the A4, okay. which... Well, I'd, I'd say, you know, 99.99 that there's going to be a new iPhone, and then maybe just slightly yeah. less that it's going to have a new chip. Right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, as, as you're saying, patterns that they've right. followed for years at this point. Right. And so to me, the thing that's most interesting about the iPad mini is the first one that was introduced in 2012 was like a year behind the big iPad. It was a year behind. It was still on the a5 when the big ipad had gone to the a6 it was not right it didn't have the retina display right and so i expected that in 2013 that it would still be one year behind and it might go retina because the ipad had gone retina the year before but that it would have the a6 where it right which is how they you know how they in other ways you know how they kept the prices so much lower than the full size but it, it like skipped a year it to me, engineering wise, it went all the way from an A5 non retina device to top of the line A7 retina and not thicker like the original retina iPads were. Right. Kept the, the felt thinness, the long battery life, and retina, and went to the A7. I mean, it's like there's like a tiny little asterisk you have to insert there because it's like the clock speed is like 5% slower than the iPad. Oh, is it? I don't even think I was aware of that. So Yeah, but it's it's really, really like a, it's not even just an asterisk. It's like a tiny. It's effectively, iPad. they effectively brought it up to the same level as the as the full-size iPad instead of keeping right. it. Right. Uh, in a year when the full-size iPad had a big tremendous jump. year, big jump in terms of the thickness and the width and the you know battery life and stuff like right. that, which is amazing. And to me, that's just all Tim Cook. And then to hear that this, you know, that, that he, you know, he'd been a proponent of the mini size all along. I mean, you know, it seems like the guy gets credit both for the operations and for the um, for actual anticipating product. the market demand. Yeah. Right. Well, the, the thing that I, I think before I say this, I need to stipulate that I do own some Apple stock. Uh, but the thing that I can't ever really get behind in these articles is talking about growth. And. I'm not like I'm not some sage investor. I don't really know what I'm doing, uh, but everything talks about how Apple's growth has slowed, and that's percentage growth, right? Right. But why is that the metric? Can someone explain to me 
why, you know, if you go from being, I don't know how big they were 10 years ago, but they weren't that big, to either the biggest or second biggest or, you know, top five biggest companies in the world, why is that not enough? And why do you need to continue growing beyond that point? Uh, well, and it, I would even say the flip side, that where they did have in the crazy go-go early years, 2008, 2009, 2010 of the iPhone, right. where they did have crazy like 40%, 30% year-over-year growth. Who thinks, though, that once you are the biggest company in the world that you can possibly 30 or keep... 40% growth is feasible? Right. It's it's It almost is impossible. And I know this is not really the law of big numbers. But it's what pe some people Refer to you know, as, use yeah. that phrase, which it simply means once you're that big, you can't grow at 30 or 40 percent. Percent wise, and, yeah. You right, could, that's the thing is that if you go from 1 billion in sales to 2 billion, it's 100 percent growth. But to do 2 to 4 billion is obviously not as easy as 1 to 2. Right. And as the numbers get bigger and bigger, that becomes more difficult. And right. When you're literally the most profitable company in the world, not just profitable tech company, but most profitable company, seven or eight percent growth year over year in profits is huge. And and it's huge numbers of billions of dollars that everyone's uh, I shouldn't say everyone, but Wall Street or investors or, you know, whoever it is, seem so focused on the percentage growth. And I just look at these numbers and I think like, OK, they made, you know, 20 billion dollars last quarter. That seems pretty good to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the iPhone in particular, which is the biggest and most profitable by revenue and profit line that Apple has, is in a fascinating market, which is phones. Because for the most part, there's an upper cap on how many phones are going to be in the world, which is one phone for every adult or even close to adult aged person. Well, I mean, unless you've got your day phone and your night phone. <laughs> right, which is an exception. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of very elderly people who are not going to buy no, a I'm just kidding, cell phone yeah. and they're dying off. And there's, uh, you know, children, I guess, you know, really young children are, are typically not going to get an iPhone. Right. Well, and, it, uh, and it's not a it's not a good that uh, people trade them in or, or upgrade, but it's not a good that expires in any way, uh, right. at least not in terms of months. It's Years so, I don't know, what's the world population? Seven, 7 billion, billion people. So, yeah. so let's say there, there's truly a hard cap at around three billion phones in the world. Let's say three or four. Sure, why not? You know, and you know, you could cut off large swaths of those people for for not having the financial. They don't have enough money to buy an iPhone. Right. Right. It's just not going to happen. Or they live in a place where there still isn't cell service. Right. Right. Uh, you know, not that the iPhone has already peaked and it can't sell more, but it's it's actually, if you look at the numbers that have actually sold, it's remarkably close to they've sold about as many as they could have hoped to at this point, and they've got to expand in interesting and new ways and wait for the world to catch up. You know, it's it's truly they've done almost as well with the iPhone as they as you possibly if, could, right? Like if you said in two thousand seven when they came out with it, what's the best case scenario for the next seven years, right? It almost it's almost as though that they've they've hit that that they've they've you know they've done as well with it as they possibly could have expected to, to do. And the years where they were having thirty or forty percent growth, that those were the years where they were expanding to new carriers around the world. I mean, it's this is a, a thing that debuted on one carrier in one in country, one country yeah. in two thousand seven, 
And because of the nature of the way that they control the customer experience and that, you know, it's so different than, than what the carriers expect or want, you know, it was a relatively slow rollout around the world. And that's what made the growth possible is that there are these countries where it hadn't been sold except like on the gray market. Uh, and then they'd debut and they could, you know, it, it would allow for this tremendous growth, whereas that type of growth, it's just not feasible to expect that. Right, right. Well, and, and then in that same piece, there was a quote from, I forget who it was, it doesn't really matter, some either investor or some analyst. And I wrote this down because he said he thought Apple no longer had the juice to create the world beating product it needs. Right. And so let's let's I can even I can even say, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe they cannot create another iPhone. Maybe there's no market that exists or maybe they don't have the ability to create a market. But the word needs in that sentence is really what sort of sticks, because this is, again, I don't know what it is right now today, but it's one of the biggest companies in the world, one of the most profitable companies in the world. And they've got how much money in the bank? What does needs mean in that sentence? Right. It's not what Apple needs. It's what these investors who seek huge returns on this stock, right? Right. What they need to justify continuing to support Apple. Uh, Here's a quote that they have in this time story from, uh, you know, this is the balance that was added to the story. This is from Lawrence I. Balter, chief market strategist at Oracle Investment Research. Uh, well, the article, this is, this is the, the, the Times author's words. Uh, investors have clamored for Apple wizardry, a much-anticipated iWatch right. or ITV, perhaps. To these critics, Mr. Cook is uninspiring, his social views window dressing, when what they want is magic, which is a little t- more telling than they could think, uh, I think, because I think that saying that they want magic, like they're presenting these guys as reasonable critics, whereas I'd say <laughs> using the word magic is a little bit... Uh, it's actually spot on. Like what they want is, is not possible. Not right. Or yeah. Uh, here's the quote from this guy, Balter. Uh, Where is the grand design? All we hear from Cook is that there are some great products coming down the pike. Mr. Balter calls Apple a financial rock of Gibraltar. It is sitting on about 150 billion in cash, but he says he has serious questions about whether it continued to be a hyper growth company. <laughs> Is it a stock for growth investors, he asks, or, quote, widows? <laughs> Which, and now, to me, it's actually a little insulting. Right. Like, now it's like the, 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 the alpha male investor on Wall Street uh, who's, you know, like, what's, what exactly is wrong with widows? Right. Like, and, and with like, a blue like, chip stock. Right. Which churns out earnings every year and, and pays a dividend and... Uh, you know, is a is a viable thing to hold on to and earn you some money, right? Women whose husbands have died are looking for uh, stability, what? I guess. Yeah, I guess. Which and exactly like you said, what's what's wrong with that either? Well, I mean, I don't know. And and you're right. It, it presents it as a as a you know, it, it should be this hyper growth stock, and instead, it's this boring. Right. You'll just make a little bit of money off it every year, stock. Right. Uh, yeah. Like like I said, I can't. I can't read too much of the the stock analysis of of Apple just because it's just so insane, right? And, and uh, it's it's never been a fair way to necessarily measure the CEO because the stock is, in to some ways, outside 
the CEO, well, in large ways, outside the CEO's control. That you know, judge them by their revenue and their profit and their product lines. But what what happens to the stock price is often irrational, right. and in Apple's case, usually irrational. Even if you do think the CEO should be judged based on the stock, if you look at the numbers, it's way up since he took over. Right, way up. And in fact, it's that's the point I'm getting at is that this the, it's it's actually getting to me. This Times article, if you really read between the lines and look at it. Uh, the stuff in Tim Cook's favor is a lot of it is concrete. Things like the iPad Mini being a hit, mm-hmm. um, largely brushed over in this article. But but the stuff at WWDC, where you see Apple as an organization really working to pulling together in a cohesive way uh, between across units the whole company, and, yeah, right? Right, and, and in a way that shows that these products they've already got, the iPhone and the iPad and even the Mac, which is you know the longest standing, still have deep areas to be improved, that they're nowhere close to being finished, you know, and that it's a shallowness to say, give me something new, give me a watch or a TV, that the iPhone and iPad are old news, whereas there's still so, so much to do do to improve those products, even in the short term, even just this year and next year, let alone for the next decade. Right. And it's such a shallow way to look at them as to, to say that uh, that they need, you know, like you emphasize the word need, that they need something new when there's so much work that can be done and improvements that can be made to these existing products. Um, but then conversely, the, 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 the negative stuff, the balance, you know, well, I don't know, maybe the guy is an empty shirt is getting so much the sauce is so much weaker right they're still you in this article using the stock dive in 2013 right against cook that investors doubted the guy and the stock went from uh, peak over 700 down under 500 right. and this is the old pre-split numbers right. but it's they're still using that like, hey, there's proof that the guy, is, you know, is maybe on shaky ground. Whereas really what that stock dip proved was that a lot of investors believed, not that Tim Cook was an empty shirt, but that a lot of investors thought he was an empty shirt. Right. It's not proof that he was. It's proof that somebody right. believed he was. Right. But the article came out in June of 2014 when the stock is <laughs> back up at near historic peaks. Right. And way higher. I mean, I might even be. I think he, I think it was around three fifty when he took over. I, I I'm right. pulling that number it's, out of the air, but I'm pretty sure that's right. If it's not double, it is very close right. to double the peak of where it was when when Steve Jobs, you know, resigned. Right. So yeah, it, it went up and then it went down a little bit from there, but was still right. way over where it had been, and now it's back up. To right. So that the only way you can use it as a cudgel against him is to ignore what's happened after. You know, you've got to still be stuck at like late 2013 mm-hmm. when it was depressed. It's it's actually the stock now is it's not a good example of of problems with Tim Cook. Uh, and then the last, well, there's two things I wanted to talk about in the article, but uh, the last thing in the article I thought was weird too. Oh, is it the they, Beatles comparison? Okay, no. go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, was it? Is that who gave it? It's like they found some guys at WWDC who claimed to be, you know, iPhone developers. Right. And, uh, yeah, well, the, the, and one of them. The quote that I have is that, and I wrote this down too, is that Jobs is to John Lennon what Tim Cook is to Ringo. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, nothing against Ringo, 
But I mean, that's I don't know. I I couldn't I couldn't cotton on to the idea that that Jobs is Lennon and and Tim Cook is is not Paul McCartney. He's freaking right. Ringo. Right. I think it's I think comparisons to the Beatles in this case are pretty It doesn't work. It, it doesn't right. work. But it's yeah, they let that, you know, but they found somebody who obviously doesn't think much of Tim Cook. And then uh at the very end of the article, they found one thing particularly jarring in the keynote. Apple did not hew to its tradition oh, yeah. of pairing hardware and software. Specifically, Apple introduced a program called Health, which helps consumers and doctors monitor health status like heart rate or glucose levels, yeah. but did not also introduce a piece of hardware to measure those results. That is something the new smartwatch is rumored to do. Quote from this guy, Mr. Zeluf. They just released software, said Mr. Zeluf, sounding surprised. It's something Steve wouldn't have done. It's an impossible comparison, but it's one that Mr. Cook is being held to, at least until he makes enough magic of his own. And then the article ends. Whereas, So they just let this guy say this. They quote this guy who was at WDWC saying, in the last paragraph, it's something Steve wouldn't have done. Whereas you can list W, you, you probably run out of fingers listing WWDCs where they didn't introduce new hardware. Right, right. Well, and and recently it's all been new iOS stuff that then in the fall you realize, oh right, the phone does have, uh, you know, two cameras or a GPS right. or I'm trying to think of a more recent example, but uh, you know, right. the phone does have yeah. things that go with this software. Right, including 2011, Steve Jobs' last WWDC was no hardware. Right. It was actually the WWDC where they moved the, the iPhones the fall, from right? right to the fall, and there was no hardware. It was uh, the i you know it was like the introduction of iCloud as a strategy, right. which was software. And so they don't they just let the quote stand like that to me, and that's how the article ends. They say that something Steve wouldn't have done, whereas the Times could have easily fact checked right that. and said actually it is something that not only would he have done, he did do and. Right. Uh, that to me is maddening, and to me is the sort of thing you you would think you would expect better from the New York Times, but it's it's because I feel like it didn't even occur to them because their perspective is they want this false balance right. where you've got to, you know where you've got to have somebody saying that uh, something like this, uh, otherwise it seems like Tim Cook is uh, it it's too balanced and too too skewed in favor. He's of actually doing Tim a good Cook job. Is, Right, whereas that's what the actual facts say. And it's just maddening to me that that's who they speak to from WWDC, whereas I thought it was... I know you missed it this year. You weren't out there, but it was a crazily popular WWDC from developers' perspective. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and you could see that after the fact in terms of developer response. And you didn't even have to be there for that. You know the announcements, you know, that it's a lot of stuff that developers have been asking for. Right. It's really crazy. Let me take a second break here and uh, thank our next sponsor. And we'll keep going. Uh, it's our good friends at Igloo. Igloo is the intranet you'll actually like. It's built with easy-to-use integrated apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, file sharing, and more. Right. So think about having a little Twitter for your team uh, or your company where it's private. It's on your own hosted site, separate from real Twitter, but you can post Twitter-like things just amongst yourselves. Great idea. Everything you need is built in. Everything is social. So if you upload a file or you write a post on the internal blog, your team can share it, comment it, rate it, like it, even manage versions of that document all within the Igloo system. The idea is you get your whole company or your team within the company communicating better. Gives your 
team or your company, depending on your size, a place to work and collaborate. And they put control over the content and page layout into the hands of users without compromising the needs of your IT team. It's very secure. You can still manage permissions and you have centrally centralized authentication with open standards like LDAP. Um, so give it a try. It's free to use, free, with up to 10 people, enough to get your whole team on board, see what it's like, uh, and very, very affordable once you go over 10 people. Uh, learn more. Watch their videos. They've got great videos that explain the whole thing, how the whole thing works, way better than I can here. Go to igloosoftware.com slash the talk show. igloosoftware.com slash the talk show and find out more. Great service. Um, I've heard from so many people who listen to the show who, who've signed up and are super, super happy with it. So check them out. I was not able to negotiate you guys a better discount with my name on that one. <laughs> I thought there was one more thing in this time story that, that got under my skin, which was when they were talking about Tim Cook and Apple's uh, charitable giving and the whole thing with the... Uh, telling the investors at the annual meeting that if they won't, you know, with the regard to their environmental stance. If all you care about is the return on investment, then get out of the stock, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, and that they're going to do the right thing. And this was from some uh, uh, investors with ad admittedly right-wing views on uh, climate change and, and, and similar, uh, you know, that sort of environmental type uh, things. Uh, and I thought that the article sort of painted Tim Cook, uh, tried to paint him a little bit as sort of a wuss, you know, like he's sort of a namsy pamsy, uh, wasting money on things that a CEO, I thought that they presented that side of the argument a lot more, uh, than, than the flip side, that they didn't really seem to have any quotes from anybody who, who backs his leadership on, on those concerns. Right. They had quotes from the people who were against it and nothing from the people for it. And I thought that was a little Well, I weird. mean, Tim Cook, Tim Cook declined to be interviewed, so that's... Yeah, I guess. But I thought that was a little weird. And then there was this weird thing where they were comparing Apple's charitable giving to Microsoft. Yeah, did you work out the math on that? Cause well, I'd leave that to you. You're, you're, well, I just, I, you're I, I, you know, I did a... a, a a mental calculation on it and it was something like you know under cook apple has increased their charitable giving and their matching of employees charitable giving and i i don't remember the numbers it doesn't really matter you can look it up in the article but basically it said something like in the past two years uh 50 million has been donated uh but in the past two decades microsoft has donated like a, over a billion yeah that's exactly and, it that it, it's uh, over two decades microsoft is employees donations inclusive of the corporate match, match right. have donated a billion dollars since 1983 so two decades right and so if you if you do the or three decades right 93 yeah that's three decades if you do the math like it, it worked out that yeah apple might not have you know might not be doing quite as much on average as microsoft did over 20 years but in the past two years the numbers are way up and it doesn't really make sense to compare 20 years worth of donations to two years uh, when they've just started this program out. So the, the whole thing, the math on it seemed, it was just, it was, it, it was an apples and oranges comparison uh, to use a phrase that doesn't work that well for Apple. But uh, it, it didn't really make yeah. sense to me as I was reading it. Well, if you divide a billion over 30 years from Microsoft is 
33 billion or million a year or 33 million a year and they're saying apple has donated uh 50 50 million in two years well so it's in the ballpark now there's inflation adjustment etc where 1983 dollars are worth less so maybe microsoft has been giving you know more but still they're in the ballpark when you look at it that way and it's new it's it's, 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 they've recently gotten into the ballpark so it doesn't seem to make sense to me to compare it over the past 20 or 30 years right Right. And the other thing, too, that they just toss out there as though it's equivalent is that Microsoft says that on average it donates $2 million a oh, day the, in, the software, right? in software yeah. to nonprofits, <laughs> which is great. It's better than not doing better that. than not doing it. But let's face it. You that's, know, that's 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 valuing office at like $900 or something, which nobody pays. Right. Right. It would be great if Rogue Amoeba donated software to nonprofits, but it's not the same thing as Rogue Amoeba donating money right. to nonprofits, right. you know. And two million sounds like a lot. Like it would be a lot for Rogue Amoeba or Q Branch to donate right. two million dollars in software. Right. Yeah, two million a day. That'd be a lot of copies of Vesper. Uh but for Microsoft, it's not, especially given the fact that they can, you know, that the prices they charge for their software are just arbitrary. It's right. not real good. It's not the same thing as, for example, donating $2 million a day in hardware to nonprofits, right. which has a fixed cost. So it's a weird, I thought it was a weird and slanted comparison. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Uh, well, we were, we were talking growth. I think you wanted to touch on the, uh, the physical growth of the iPhone. Oh, there you go. Segway, Segway, right? That's why. Yeah. So we've got, that's the other big story that came out this week. And this is nothing new. This is, you know, it's just verifying months long rumors. But that Bloomberg yesterday, this was Peter Burroughs. Well, hold on. Don't use the uh, word verifying because. Oh, not verify. All right. That's a wrong. Well, no, I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean to criticize you. I'm talking more about all the sites that publish this stuff all the time. Now we've got a slightly more reputable site with maybe better sourcing, right? Right, echoing. There you go. The rumors. This is Tim Culpin and Peter Burroughs reporting for Bloomberg. Apple's big iPhones, plural, said to start production next month. Uh, Apple suppliers in China will begin mass production of its largest iPhones ever next month, according to people familiar with the plans, as the smartphone maker faces increased competition. Uh blah, 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 asked not to be identified because the plans are private. One model will have a 4.7-inch display compared to the 4-inch screen of the current 5S that may be available to ship to retailers around September, said two of the people. A 5.5-inch version is also being prepared for manufacturing and may be available at the same time, the people said. So they're, they're saying... This is, you know, and this has been rumored by various people for a while that there's two new bigger iPhones right. this year, a 4.7 inch diagonal display and a 5.5 inch. Uh, this is a lot of. I feel like we could easily fill the rest of the show just talking about this. I don't even understand. I don't even understand the aspect that this 5.5 inch version may be available at the same time. I don't, As if they it, might it, release I, this in like January or something. I mean, right. given as I we just talked it. about, you know, ten minutes ago about the patterns that Apple follows, they right. don't release a a new iPhone in the middle of the year with a different size. Right. I don't get it. I've never been less uh, excited. Not excited. Well, I'm not excited because I'm I'm personally a little. Uh, yeah. I I don't want a big I, I like. I mean, I'll I'll just put that either. right out there. I'm holding my iPhone right now. 
It's it's a four inch screen and it's almost too big to me. I could see how maybe I could I could get used to a four point seven. I've seen four point seven devices, but that to me seems just the width seems to me annoying. Five point five. I've seen those phones. Huge. I know that I don't want one. I know that I don't. Uh it just seems weird to me. Now I've never even my personal tastes aside. Even let's say I really want even if I wanted a huge iPhone. Uh, I just don't understand how Apple's going to sp- present it in a keynote where they say, you know, I could see how they would say, look, everybody wants a big phone. Here's a bigger iPhone. Okay. I don't understand how they say, here's two bigger iPhones, <laughs> bigger and even more humongous, and the size that you've grown used to over the last seven years and that has made the iPhone the, by far, you know, 70% of all the profits in the entire handset industry is now right gone. that was yeah that was your big thing is that you're reading this as them saying there will be a 4.7 and a 5.5 and that's it and that's all I've ever seen rumored I've never seen from any of these other rumors rumors of a new four inch uh, normal big, right. current size iPhone right well but I, I now, guess the question is how would that how would that leak versus if the size changes it's much more obvious right well, part of it too, and and over the last few years, the track record's been pretty good on the component leaks out of Asia. And what they're showing this year is something that's more along the lines of the iPads with rounded sides. Okay, have you seen any? Of these? I haven't. I, I I really don't look at this stuff just because I wait till it comes out. But uh, the, I understand what you're saying. A lot of what's come out, and and from sources that have been pretty accurate in years mm-hmm. past, you know, and and that got the new. Um, iPhone 5 shape and and same same type of people who st- you know had like leaks of the gold iPhone last okay. year are showing i i have 4.7 inch and 5.5 inch phones with more or less just think of a smaller iPad or iPad mini with the rounder sides and those style brands right. um and nothing like that has leaked with a 4 inch so let's, if you presume, now obviously this is an enormous if. This is the biggest if I could make on the show. If we take it for granted that all new iPhone hardware is, will inevitably leak from the Asian supply chain. Okay. Again, that is an enormous if. But if we take that as an assumption, then the only way that the four inch screen stays at the top of the you know, and gets the A8 and new camera and, you know, stays at the top of the heap technology-wise, spec-wise, is if it's going to still be in the current five, case. 5S form right. factor. Which seems different if there's two new models that have a new iPad-style look. Yeah. Like, it's possible, I guess. I don't... But it just seems weird. Like, to me, for example, the, the way that I just mentioned before, that in 2013, last fall... Apple introduced two new iPads, the new Mini with Retina and the new iPad Air, and they had the same specs, same camera, same A7 system on a chip, you know, roughly it's just, hey, which, which size, size do you, you want? want? Right. And they also looked like siblings. Right. They looked like the same device shrunk up and down. Well, but if you even, right, so I mean, the, the question is, are they going to keep uh, a four-inch screen as uh, a sibling, uh, a brother to the exist or the the new sizes but if you're going to do that if you're going to change the case that's going to present all sorts of manufacturing challenges right 
I, I would guess. So, I mean, you know? it might make sense to put the new hardware in there, uh, you know, whatever the new chip is, new camera, whatever, uh, but keep the current case because you've already tooled up all your factories for that current four-inch-sized case. Yeah, but they've never kept the same four factor, form factor for more than two years. The 3G, 3GS was two years. The 4, 4S was two years. And that's true. And the 5, 5S. Now, does you know, again, the fact that that's the pattern that they've had ever since the, you know, 3G, uh, you know, in the original 2007 iPhone was the only one that, that only lasted a year. Uh, does that mean that it'll exactly. always be right. so? Maybe not. You know, maybe this form factor, the five five S form factor, is like their Porsche nine eleven. You know, we don't need to change it. You know, this is this is the way the four inch iPhone looks, looks all the time. Yeah, and there's and it doesn't look dated. It looks still looks great. I mean, ultimately, what we'll see in uh, what three months? I would guess September. Yeah. Because Ish. that's it's been September for ever since they moved it to the fall, right. and then October is for iPads and perhaps the watch or whatever else they're going to do. But I would guess the phone gets its own event in September. Right. Well, I said to you, I said the interesting thing to me was not the physical size growing because I'm, as I said, I'm pretty happy with the current physical size. I'm interested to see a storage space increase in the device. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody has any kind of rumors about that. Right? Well, again, I guess, is that something that would even leak? Because, you know, they already make 128 gig iPad, so the, the storage already exists in that size. Uh, how different would the, would the physical, you know, the case wouldn't need to be any different just to put a little more storage space in there, probably. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think the 128 gigabyte chips would be bigger. I, and, and along the same lines, I would really, really, I think it's almost overdue at this point, like to see more RAM. Okay. Because they've they've been all at the iPhone's been at one gigabyte of RAM since for a while now. I forget which was I think the maybe first the iPhone five. I think the five. Um, you know, and in that TikTok strategy of every two years they they take bigger leaps forward. Right. Uh, I would really like to see them go to two gigabytes. Well, now do you do you think you notice a uh, a lack of RAM? Less so than used to, but I still get. Those, uh, you know, it's it's most noticeable in Safari. Okay. When yep. tabs that I know I have open end up having Reload to refresh. And, yeah, yeah. and, you know, it's just the nature of the phone where I use it on cellular more than any other device. And therefore, if I'm out on cellular, sometimes, you know, it's the most inconsistent networking-wise. And reloading a tab right. often takes, you know, longer than, than you'd like. Right. Well, because, I mean, with storage space, it's very obvious. If I want to put all of my music on there, I can't do it. Whereas yeah. with RAM, it's more of a nebulous, you know, as you said, some days a Safari tab needs to reload. And, uh, but yeah, that, that is, that is, I guess, one of the, one of the obvious ways you can tell. Yeah. And, you know, I don't play a ton of games on my phone, but, uh, I know a lot of people do. Jonas certainly does. And they're, you know, games typically, you know, can use as much RAM as you can throw at them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's not so much that I personally, on a day-to-day basis, really, really need more RAM in my in the iPhone. But I think that the iPhone as a platform could, could use, use it. more yeah. RAM. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the iPad, too, especially if it's true that they're going to add some sort of multitasking-type interface where you can run two apps at the same time. Right, sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I just, I still, I just can't see how they would spin uh, an introduction where they say we've added two new sizes above it. And but yet the four inch one looks exactly the same as it used to. Right. Well, I mean, I 
honestly, if you look at, uh, we're we're especially you, I think, are, are very fixated on the devices uh, and pay much more attention to them t- than most people. Uh, but I mean, if you look at a bunch of iPhones side by side, the user experience is not really very different between them. From a you know from a consumer standpoint, you know what I mean. In that there's always been a home button at the bottom. There's a power button at the top. Uh, I guess the headphone jack moved, but uh, you know, would it really be that big a deal if the four inch had one case and the four seven and five five, if they exist, had a different case? It's not, but it just seems weird. It just it just feels a little off to me that if they were all going to be on the the same level, the same level spec wise, right. it just would seem odd if one of them looked different than the others. Yeah. It just seems a little off, and then that makes me think that if it's the case that they're going to. Your you know, concern is that possibly. they're going to bail on the four-inch size, right? Exactly. That's my concern. Is that the new, you know, A8 top of the tier, top tier iPhones are only going to be Oof. four seven, and or five five, and that the four-inch size will no longer even be made with metal. It'll drop. I don't know what they're going to call it, the five CS, but that the a, a phone with the five S specs will be in the plastic uh-huh. case that we saw last year at one at that two hundred dollar or one hundred dollar. Re- you know, price level down. Well, selfishly, I hope that's not the case, but I don't have any insight as to whether or not that'll be the case. I mean, no, but nobody who's publishing these rumors does either, right. which is makes me, it just convinces me that all of the leaks are from the supply chain and none of them are from Cupertino. Right. Whereas it's the only people who know it. Nobody even says like what, you know, how they're going to price these things are. How much is the 5.5 inch going to be much more expensive? More expensive? Right. Yeah. Right with the iPads, you pay for the bigger size. You pay you know, for the size the and you pay for the storage. Right, right. Does it make sense that you would? Ha- I I just don't see how you do this. You know, maybe one of them is, uh, you know, uh, another possibility is that the four point seven inch is the, um, the new flagship model, most expensive, and the five point five inch is the new five C lower priced model. But then that seems weird to me that you. That that somebody let's say somebody who's older and has you know really wants the bigger phone because they they really have trouble reading right. the smaller screen they just want everything bigger because they want bigger text which is a totally reasonable perfectly maybe the best example of why they should have multiple size iPhones available. Right. Um, but why would you be why would you have to sacrifice on the specs to, get, to the get the bigger, the bigger screen bigger because you really want the bigger screen? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like to me, it makes the most sense to do it like the iPads, and have same specs across the line and you know different price points. But I don't even know if the price differential you know on the iPads makes sense. Why is the iPad Mini so much cheaper? I don't know. Right. I guess the screens are. I guess at at a certain point, you really just costs more to have a bigger yeah, screen. screen and battery. I the, even if the pixels are the same. Color. Right. Yeah, because I mean, it needs a bigger screen physically, and it needs a bigger battery physically. So. So what are you hoping for? I, I've had Marco on talking about this. I've had you. I, I'm so confused about this. I really don't see it where where this is, how this is going to play. I mean, out. like I said, I try not to think about this until they've actually announced it, and then I say, okay, I've that's the one I'm going to get. But I, like I said, I don't want a bigger phone. Uh, I certainly don't want a five and five point five inch phone. As you said, you've tried a phone like that. I've I've used a phone like that. It's way too big. For my taste. It's really big. I can see why some people do. I can. I can totally see why Apple would make it. But I certainly don't. I, I don't think I want and, it. And you don't want to be forced into getting it almost. 
because you want the top of the line phone as far as specs exactly. go. Exactly. Right. Uh, so yeah, I don't I I'm hopeful that a a relatively reasonable size physical size phone will exist with the high level specs. But, you know, I like I said, we'll see in the three Ace months. the the A8 which I mentioned a few times is maybe not even the best example of it because the 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 iPads have the A7 too this year. The two things that the iPhone 5S has that no other iOS device has is it has a better camera. Touch ID. And it has Touch right. ID. And anything else they might introduce along those lines is going to be in the iPhone first because the iPhone has the mar- the profit margins to support right. the, the top of the line. And the camera, you know, for me personally, the camera is the most important thing. I, I would probably buy... Whichever iPhone has the best camera, even if it's the five point five inch. Well, if it was only the five point five inch, man, that would—I don't know what I would do. Because I, I mean, the camera would, has gotten pretty good. Like I went from the—I forget—I went from like the iPhone one to the three G or three GS maybe, and the the difference was enormous. But at this point, uh, it, you can certainly see a difference, but it's pretty good already. You you know what? You still see the difference indoors. Okay. Outdoors, I don't know that I can Pepsi challenge it, but indoors you can definitely still see the difference, especially you know indoors and at night, you know where low the low light situations. Right. You can definitely, I I think I could easily tell the difference between a five and a five S. Well, but it's not even image. just telling the difference. It's is the is the lower one pretty good and pretty acceptable, right? Uh, well, and I still because I'm you know as like a semi you know amateur camera enthusiast and you know I have cameras you know high you know real cameras right. that have fancy lenses and high ISO so I I know what it's like to have a camera that can do really well in low light you know and I so I can see how much potential you know phone cameras still have to go in low light to get situations. to that point yeah right it, it would I, honestly it would break it would truly break my heart if the five point five inch display is the only way to go top of the right. line I, I just can't see how they would make such an enormous leap because i'll tell you what going from four inches to 5.5 inches it's huge is just it's just yeah. huge it's it sounds like you're just talking about an inch and a half but it's not it's just a, a so much bigger device right. i mean it's i think it's even bigger than like a field notes notebook they're really really big um and again, I can see why someone would want that. I totally understand the idea of, hey, I just I want something right in the middle of a phone and a tablet because I'm going to use it all day long for these things. But that's not uh, how that's I not use what it. I want. Right. I just want something that's as small as possible and not noticeable in my pocket until I want right. it. So I don't know. I really don't see how this is going to play out. Uh, let me take a third break here. All right. Uh, thank our final sponsor. And it's our great friends at Backblaze. You guys know Backblaze. They've been here before. Unlimited, unthrottled backup for your Mac. $5 a month for everything. Everything. You just pay $5 a month. You install their software. Uh, Yeah, it does take a long time for your initial upload if you have a lot of data to get That's a good caveat. I like that. Yeah, it's true. There's no no magic. There's no, no, no way around it. If you've got, you know... Terabytes of data, and you know, there's just no way to to get that up there instantly. But it does work. I have a lot of data. When I first signed up, it took a couple days, maybe even took a week for my initial upload. After that, everything's incremental, and it just works. They have over 100 petabytes of total data backed up. I don't even know how big a petabyte is, but it's in uh, over five billion files have been restored. 
by users of Backblaze. In other words, not that they've backed up 5 billion files. They've backed up way more than that. But 5 billion people who've needed to get their files restored from Backblaze have gotten them. They have an iOS app that lets you access and share any of your files. So if you're just on your iPhone and you need to get something from your Mac, you can just connect to Backblaze and get the version that was most recently backed up. Uh, you can restore one file. If you've just got one file, it's like, oh, man, what happened to that thing? I got it. You know, here it is. It's corrupted on my Mac. I'm going to get it from Backblaze. Go get it. Uh, or all of your files easily with their web restore. It's founded by ex-Apple engineers. Backblaze runs natively on your Mac and on Mavericks. There's no add-ons, no gimmicks, no additional charges. If you're here $5 a month and think it's just too good to be true, it's really, that's the deal. It's, it's, it's just fantastic. I've been telling you about it for months. Can't believe all of you haven't signed up yet, but uh, they keep coming back because people keep signing up. And if you've been on the fence, I, I can't encourage you to do it strongly enough. It's great service. just helps you sleep better at night knowing your stuff is – everything on your Mac is backed up off-site out of your house. Where do you go to find out more? www.backblaze.com slash daringfireball. Backblaze.com slash daringfireball. If you haven't signed up yet, you're nuts if you had. You're just crazy. <laughs> so bigger storage, more RAM. I, I, I agree with you on that. I, didn't, I don't know if, if, if we concluded on that. But I, I do think they should go more. And I think the way that people are shooting video, I think that it's, it's essential. I know I've had family members come to me with iPhones that They're are filled full. up. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because they shoot so many videos and, and photos. I mean, it's uh, – I don't know. I think it's due. Uh, what else do we have on the agenda? What? Oh, d- so bigger bigger iPhones. This is something I wanted to talk about last week when Guy was on. Just a small thing, but it, it – uh, I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the State of the Union address? I haven't yet. As you said, I, I had to miss StubDub for a, for a family matter, and uh, so I haven't caught up on all the videos yet. So the State of the Union is, is great. I recommend it for anybody who's only watched the keynote. And I know that we're a couple of weeks out from WWDC, but if you want to watch one more, I recommend the platform State it is, of the Union. It is always worth uh, watching, especially as a developer. But in, in general, there's often yeah. stuff in there that you didn't hear about in the keynote, but that could have been in the keynote. All right. And if you're nerdy enough to, even if you're not a developer, but if you're nerdy enough to listen to this podcast, you're absolutely in the target audience for the State of the Union. Because uh, it's not super codey. It's not a lot of example code. It's... You know, it's it's at the level of like the show, I think. But they give you details that they d- just cannot fit into the keynote, or that they just don't want to put in the the morning right. keynote. And the big one, it's such a tell, and it's so awkward. You know, and like you said, where they've switched to this thing where they'll ship stuff at WWDC in software, and then the hardware that comes out later in the year, it's like, oh yeah, that's why right. they did that. Um. Well, the stuff about multiple screen sizes is so it, it, it's so obvious, but they can't say. Well, they won't. Hey, say we're gonna anyway. Right. Well, right. They're not going to say, "Hey, we might be shipping iPhones with new pixel dimensions or new physical sizes," right. or we might, when we unveil the iPad later, new iPads later this year, have uh, show a new feature where you can run two apps side by right. side. They just say like, hey, you know, in theory, you might you might <laughs> want to support these new. They call it adaptive apps, and it's sort of uh, like a responsive. What responsive layout is to web design, right? Where it works Adapt- at whatever whatever the screen size is, it'll still work and look as right. if it was made natively for that size, right? And that they're switching from a a model where there are two sizes you need to worry about: iPhone size, 
and iPad size and horizontal and vertical layout. And then a little asterisk for iPhone because there's still older ones that have a 3.5 inch instead of a 4 inch. But they really just added pixels to the top. They didn't really create a new. Everything stayed exactly the same size. They just just got taller. Added, yeah. Just got taller. Uh, they're switching to a system where there's these one third width, half width, full width, two thirds width, and you know, like the iPhone is considered a one third width. And so it just seems pretty like without saying, "Hey, we might do this." They're telling you that your apps. It, it's you watch the everybody should watch the State of the Union, and they they talk about this, and it's it's interesting both in terms of thinking about how it might work as a you know user and developer, and how it might you know, but it's also interesting as anybody who's ever spoken publicly or is careful with their words to to look at the, the contortions they're, they're jumping doing. through. Yeah, it and they do it pretty well, but you can. It's so hard. It's it'll make you laugh. It's really kind of funny, and I almost feel bad for him. And then there's a whole session. I haven't actually watched it yet, but it's building adaptive apps with UI kit session two one six. And the thing that's interesting too, uh, and I still feel like this hasn't really gotten through to everybody yet. There's no NDA this year, right? Like everybody can just go to developer.apple.com. Uh, or just Google WWDC 2014 videos. It's easier, but it's slash videos slash WWDC slash 2014. And they have all the videos from WWDC, and you don't even need an ADC account. You don't have to log in. You just click the video you want and start watching it. So everybody, you don't even have to sign up for a developer account. You can just go watch session 216 and ta- and see them talk about it. Yeah, I I had a note that I wanted to mention that uh, it's, interesting, it's interesting that the NDA has been lifted on all of this. Uh, and they, just before the conference, talked about how there can be access to betas of the OS. Uh, but as a developer, it's tremendously annoying to have even more people running a beta OS before it's out. <laughs> That's interesting. That's, I, you know, I, that occurred to me, and it's, yeah, I thought about that, but as a... Uh, my personal interest as a developer at, at QBranch, we're still iOS only, and right. iOS is not having a public beta. Whereas at Rogue Amoeba, with the Mac side you guys are almost all Mac, and or is it all We've Mac? A you guys have something apps, for them, but it's but for the most part, though, Mac the company centric, it's a yeah. Mac company with with some toes dipped in the iOS pool, and now you guys are going to have people running the public beta of Yosemite, right? And and. People always did this who I don't want to say shouldn't have, but, you know, didn't necessarily need to. Uh, and it was always a little bit of a, a of a struggle because, you know, we'd have to say we're not there yet. We're working on it. But if you need your stuff to work on a daily basis, don't run a beta OS. I mean, that's just good yeah. advice in general, right? Yeah, it's definitely good advice. Anybody out there who's thinking about participating in the Yosemite public beta, you know, listen. Right. I mean, if you... Not, we're, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying, no, you've got to take responsibility. That's exactly it, for yeah. the, and, and You've got to take responsibility for what And happens. the more people that are doing it, the more emails we're going to get that say, you know, this isn't working, whatever. And we want to support these people as soon as we can, but we also have limited resources and and so I don't know if this I don't know if this will help Apple or not because I think they had pretty good testing both internally and from developers in previous years. Uh so I'm not really sure what they're striving for with this sort of change to opening it up a little bit more. 
in theory, if there's something stupid, simple, that's like really just like a line of code and it, you know what it is, ah, that, this thing, we could do this and maybe we'll ship a point one update and it'll make things run better on Yosemite public beta. Sure, you might do that. You could do that. It just in a way that you, even if there was no public beta, might roll out bug oh, fix updates of your apps over For, summer. If you can work one in that does make things better under Yosemite, you'll do it. You might have done it anyway because it'll help you because you'll be right. running it. But you can't run your company. You can't support a, a beta operating system. No, and that's exactly it. And and so, right. like I said, I don't know what Apple's hoping to accomplish with this and I hope they do get something out of it, but it's definitely frustrating for us as as developers. Because right. ideally, you're gonna want to you're gonna want to support Yosemite either when it officially ships out of beta or soon oh, thereafter I mean, with day one, all of your major possible. right. All right, day one if possible, if not as soon afterwards as possible. But that's because once it's out of beta, it's a stable target. Right. That's the thing. Say, yeah, that's the thing to to. You make a great point there that right now it's completely all over the map. And things can change drastically between releases. And trying to track every single one of those changes across weekly or monthly releases before it's in the public's hands is not a good way to run a company. Right. It's You can't target a moving target. Well, you could. You can try to. It's but way it's more foolish. Worse, yeah. you, you'll end up wasting right. time. You know, and it could be something like a cosmetic bug. Like, you know, this doesn't look good because it doesn't render well on the transparent such and right. such and it ends up by the time it ships it's no longer even transparent because they've changed right it. and, and well, you spent you, time fixing it for two weeks worth of right yeah so anyway and it ha you cannot do it and and again i've been there like but even way back when i was at bare bones we went through it with bb edit on the public beta of of mac OS right. 10 well uh, but i mean that are you talking uh pre 10.0 the, the actual public betas then because those were actually almost releases that's probably a bad example because uh, I think we only had the only way we we only had the native carbon version of BB Edit was internally beta tested. We didn't have a public okay. beta of that. So, but there I remember though being at, at bare bones though maybe not the ten o but like ten one and ten two, and all you know even before the, even the betas of of Mac OS nine you know that the various updates right. to it that we'd get bug reports from people who were running it and it's like. Thanks for filing the bug. We do appreciate that. Report the bug, but don't you don't can't expect, expect us to have this exactly. fixed on the schedule that we would for a similar bug on a shipping version of that. Yeah, that's system. exactly it. Right. Anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm interested to see how that aspect of it plays out and how popular the public beta. Well, I, I should, you know, I mentioned this, but I should be. say it hasn't been a huge issue. It's not as if we've seen an influx of people running this who shouldn't be, or you know. Ah, but they haven't started the public beta yet. For Yosemite, there's none right now at all? I don't think okay. so. Am I wrong? Well, then I guess we'll see. If I'm, I, like what? I said, I'm sort of out of it as far as DubDub goes. <laughs> You'll know in the next episode of the talk show if I start by apologizing. I'm nearly certain that the public beta hasn't started You yet. may well be right. That, that, I mean, I'm running it on one of my machines, but that doesn't mean you know I yeah. got it from the developer's area. Yeah, my hope is that they're waiting for a significantly better. I, I think that the two betas are actually pretty good for June. Right. You know, both iOS 8 and Yosemite. I've I've got machines, I've got devices running both here. Uh, and they're both pretty good for June betas. Especially compared know. to past years. Yeah, past years, the June ones have usually been unusable. Right. You know, it's like, I'll come back to it in mid-July when they've got it. To me, they seem like they're ahead of where they've been in the past years. But they're 
that I wouldn't recommend them to anybody to depend on in either case. No, and there's and and a, a big thing is that a lot of a lot of the time the features that they've talked about aren't in there yet. So, yes, that's absolutely. So you want to run right, these and with, see, like, oh, they talked about this new stuff. I want to see it, and then you, if you install it, you're not actually going to see it for another month because it's not there yet. So, so I don't know. I, I, I'm optimistic that they're. I'm curious about it though because it does seem it, it does seem to be of a piece with this whole like opening, opening company, up of yeah. Apple. You know that they're a little bit, you know, not a, in a radical departure, but in a slight shift of course. You know, Angela Arntz had a, a LinkedIn blog post yesterday on what it's like to be starting a new job at a new company. It wasn't particularly revealing you know, about Apple. It was, but... you know, right. And it was, you know, there were no secrets. There was nothing gossipy or shocking or notable. It was, you know, well-written and, and interesting. It's an interesting perspective. But the thing that's most interesting is that a senior vice president at Apple posted a here's what I'm up to blog on LinkedIn. post on LinkedIn. Yeah. Right, which has never happened right. before. Not just LinkedIn, but on any kind of social network or blog or anything. Right. Like that. Be, well, besides when Steve Jobs was blogging on Apple.com. Yeah, like but even then it wasn't personal. It was whatever. right. It was like two times in the entire history right. of Apple, Steve Jobs wrote, you know, here's some you know, here's something you've bastard that made me actually address. <laughs> uh thoughts on music and then thoughts on Flash. That's right. That was the other one, Flash, yeah. Yeah. How'd that work out? We have flash on the iPhone yet. <laughs> you know, those people. Uh, somebody emailed me about that the other day. Some reader wanted me to do like a claim chowder right. roundup on mobile flash because the people who were adamant that it was it could never know, be a success without it. Right. Uh, seem to have conveniently uh, lost their lost their uh, interest in the cause. Right. right. No, I don't believe so. I, I'm more curious. Are, are there any devices you can go out and buy today that have? They do have flash, flash right? Clearly. Do the Android, do current Android devices have it? Or, right? I don't think so. I think you'd have to buy like a super low end Android phone that's running an ancient version of Android, huh. you know, to get it, like a two point something version. I don't think Android supported it in, in the entire 4.0 versions, and that 4.0 is a couple like years, two old, years now, old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's given up on it. All right. I don't even know if BlackBerry still supports it. Well, they just had some new phones, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how hard it is for a company to actually, like, the the, the, the candle to actually go out. Right, right. Well, it's like, uh, do you remember the uh, the LoadSys, like, uh, lawsuits against Unix and Linux? This is, this, no. uh, this, they were suing uh, Linux and maybe Unix. I forget what the deal was. They, they, they owned some piece of Unix and therefore were suing Linux, I think, was the deal. And these lawsuits went on for like a decade and they kept losing them, but they kept filing them. And uh, it was always a concern that, you know, this was going to impact something like uh, Android, where it's actually, even if it's not true linux it's it's built around it and if this if one of these lawsuits was successful suddenly somebody might be taking a huge chunk of money out of some big company uh and and yeah anyway the point was that it took over a decade i think before they as you said the candle finally went out and they finally gave up and said all right we're done uh and it's a similar thing with blackberry where the company is just limping along and i mean they must have had some money in the bank too the way apple does not not to that extent but yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's just, it, it's, I don't know. I expected something spectacular to have happened by now. Either like we're out, we're turning out the lights and we're, we've sold our, I, you know, the way I expect it to go is we've sold ourselves to, I don't know, L, 
LG right. or HTC or I don't know some somebody like that. We've sold ourselves to, and now we're, BlackBerry's just a name that's owned by this other company. Right. Uh, like Napster got sold a couple times that way. Yeah, but it hasn't happened yet, and yet they're you know like you said they're still coming out with new phones, and it's like I feel sorry for them. I don't know anybody who's still left. Right, and they don't look terrible. They look, but they don't look at, at least bit competitive with everything else that's right. going on. Or uh, Palm, you know, right? Like Palm just disappeared. You know, it's like I've, I would have thought something would have happened by now. You know, that BlackBerry's going to, you know, either disappear or get well, sold. Palm got something. bought by HP, right? Yeah, I think that's. I think what, that's where they. I know up. HP wound up with them at some point because the 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 tablet size ones were HP devices. Right. What were they called? The touchpad. Yeah, I think that's right. But yeah, BlackBerry's limping along still, and I, I, that, that was the thing. I was I was surprised to see this announcement. I think it was this week or last week, and I haven't even looked at the phones, but I, I, I've never been interested. But it's interesting that they're still able to put something out. Yeah, but I don't, you know, you never, just walking around the city, you never see BlackBerry posters in the carrier stores anymore or anything. It's, right. You know, it's almost like they're not there. I mean, I'm sure you can go in and buy one, but I don't know. I would guess that most of the ones that are still being sold are like the old style ones, not the new. Uh, With a keyboard versus a touchscreen, you mean? Yeah. Right. The ones that, you know, people who are just BlackBerry diehards who've just skipped out on the whole iOS Android right. type computing thing and still just, they just want a replacement for the BlackBerry that. <laughs> right. Right. Which isn't unreasonable. It's not a good business going forward, but it's. No, but if you, you know, have something uh, that works and, and then it eventually right. breaks because it's been five years, you may well want the exact same thing. Right, I totally understand that mindset. I mean, I'm personally obviously don't you know I, I, when it comes to phones, I don't feel that way. But there's other things in my life that if if it breaks, I just want to buy the exact same oh, your thing. Goddamn keyboard, before. John. <laughs> exactly, my keyboard. I have the same. I've bought like four or five pairs of the same sneakers. Okay. You know, I don't care what the new sneakers are. Just give me a new pair of the the Samba Millennium, right, right, or whatever they're called. Uh. All right, I think that's it for my list this week. Good show. All right, well, I got I got one uh, more for you. Can you give me? You got a topic? You got something? To throw I do in? have a little one bonus? more that, and and this is this is important to me. Uh, did you see? It was last week. Did you see the announcement of these new emoji? Emoji? Okay. No. Oh no, I didn't. I saw that there were, but I didn't see what was okay. On the list. Well, so so there's two things actually. iOS eight makes uh, it promotes emoji to like a top level keyboard now. So instead of by default, it used to be you had to turn on the emoji keyboard. Oh, right. Yeah. I've and now that. iOS 8 has it there by default for everybody, which is actually a little bit interesting because it indicates Apple feels this is part of the culture now, the same way like yeah. punctuation is almost. So I, th- I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting. But Right. There's a smiley button. That's exactly it. Instead of hitting the globe and pulling up other keyboards, you just hit the smiley button, basically. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so last week, uh, the standard got released for like 240, 250 new emoji. And... The way that it works is that each platform, Apple, Android, Twitter, has to then create illustrations for this and and make it part of their OS or part of their platform. And I wrote about this today, but the, the, the one that I'm very excited about and I'm a little worried about is there is now going to be a middle finger emoji. <laughs> is that there is really? A, there is a, I forget the exact name, but it's, it's hand with middle finger raised, uh, you know, they have longer names. <laughs> I, I'm... Looking at your website now. There you go. Yeah. So it's uh, what's it called? Uh, reversed hand with middle finger extended, and it and it's it's you know it's a hand <laughs> flipping the bird. Uh, 
now my concern though, and this is a question for you, is Apple going to include this? Oh, now that's a fascinating question. This is why this is why you put Paul Kafasis on your on your show. That's a damn good question, Paul. Because Apple, you know, they've got the pile of poo in there. Yeah. But at the same time, their app store is is fairly restrictive. There's no pornography in there. There's no uh, risque content. Is pile of poo is the is the emoji, emoji description pile? That of is the poo. actual is name that... of it. Yeah, if you look in the Unicode right. table, it's called pile of poo. So, and so there's no no reason that you would have to turn it into a googly eyed smiley face. No, it's not happy face. It's not happy pile of poo. It's not smiley right. pile of poo. It's it... literally just pile of poo. It could be an ugly rank. Like smelly with flies buzzing around it. Yeah, like little little, little stink rays coming out of it, pile mm-hmm. of poo. And instead, it's a very, very happy, you know, your your uh, your doctor is going to be very happy with your school specimen. <laughs> if it looks like this guy, yeah. Yeah, you're eating well, you're taking care of yourself, you know. But so the the thing is that, you know, they're restrictive in some regards and then not in others. But this is a standard uh, and they, the, the, what's interesting is that they were talking a couple months ago about introducing diversity into the emoji, and they wanted to have uh, basically there's a whole lot of white people in the emoji, which is interesting because yeah. it comes from Japan, so it's a little strange. But Apple said, you know, we want to have other other races represented in there, and they said they might just do it themselves, and they can take instead of like smiling elderly person, they can make that. A, a smiling elderly person of a different race. Uh, so I don't know, you know, they have the authority uh, on their own platforms to make this not quite a middle finger, I think. Hmm. And I'm worried that I'm going to have to switch to Android if this happens. <laughs> Reversed hand with middle finger extended. Well, I mean, can you make can you draw that in a way it, that follows that guideline without it being a middle finger? Yeah. Well, look at the. You're obviously not an emoji lawyer as uh-huh. I am. I actually have a JD in emoji uh-huh. law. Uh, so reversed hand, you do need to show the back right. of the hand. The middle finger extended does need to be extended, but there's no reason you couldn't have another. If finger that's exactly it. Like you, it. you toss up another finger, and it's it's not yeah. incorrect. And then suddenly, right. I'm not flipping somebody the bird. I'm giving them a peace sign. Right. Right, yeah, exactly. Or or a Spock sign. No, that that is one of the new ones. That's it, oh. I, I saw that one in there. The uh, what do they call that? The Vulcan symbol. Yeah, that's already that's already in live there. long and prosper. Yep. I feel like you could officially comply with the description by putting another finger up there. I'm but, worried. I'm uh, worried, John. That's a good question. What will they got to do? do the right thing here? They got to give me the middle finger. Yeah, you know. Would be it would be, it would it would fit with uh, it wouldn't comply with the description at all, but it would fit with previous frustrations with similar curse words in in prose if they just replaced it with a picture of a duck. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. You would go to insert this emoji and you'd get <laughs> just a get a duck. <laughs> nice. That's my guess. My guess is they're just going to put a picture of a duck. Son of a bitch. We'll see. I'm hopeful. <laughs> this is great. Now I'm on pins and needles to see how this turns out. And it, it could be months. We don't know. Because the, the way the standard works, you know, it gets announced and then they implement it over time. So I don't know if it'll be part of iOS 8 or iOS 9. But 
I'm I'm eager to see it, and I hope we get what we're what we deserve. Yeah. Do you know if there was there any controversy over this? Uh, you know, I I didn't. Not that I saw. Uh, yeah. It it's a standards body that uh, you know the 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 companies that comply to the standards still have a lot of le- uh, leeway, rather. So if you look, you know, things look different on different platforms. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with no. You think they're I'm not gonna do it? I, I mean, they did pile no, of poo I though. I wonder, would there be a way that they would add a parental control that you on can't, your emoji keyboard? Uh, right. Well, but the thing is that if you don't know what it means, then it's just a middle finger sticking up, right? I mean, it's not. Do they have other fingers? Can you get every single finger of the? I hand? mean, there's already pointing you know? fingers, like pointing right. with the pointer finger and and up and down and. Uh, I don't know if there's one for every finger. I don't think there is. Uh, but I mean, like you could just tell your kid this is this means one. Like, I mean, that's probably a bad lesson to teach your kid, I guess. Yeah, but. yeah. yeah. Make sure you emphasize that lesson before the first day of kindergarten. <laughs> this means one. <laughs> uh, duck you, Paul. Duck you, John.